This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Hello and welcome back to episode 10 of Lessons Learned. I'm Dylan. And I'm Evan. And I'm still recovering from a cold. So now my voice is very deep. Um, This episode we're actually going to open up with a Bible verse. And this is something that um, one of our pastors at church gave to me. I was chatting with him um, after one of the sermons. And I told him about the podcast and stuff. And he actually gave me this Bible verse. And I thought it was really good. And Evan, you liked it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I just thought we'd open up this episode by reading this verse. It is 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. I don't know if you want to... Well, I was thinking we could do a bit of a role reversal here and you could talk about that for a second. Yeah, sure. So um, basically what it's talking about is that when you're reading the Bible and you're getting any kind of word from God, you're using spiritual discernment to understand it. I.e. that means there's a way as a Christian that you kind of go about reading the Bible and interpreting things, um, meanings and words from God's and or God himself and um, pastors is what I meant to say. Um, and people that don't use spiritual discernment, things that kind of Christians learn to do over time, they usually dismiss those words and those things from the Bible as foolish because they're not using the spiritual discernment to understand. So anything you wanted to add in that? Any thoughts? Anything? Is this what it feels like to be you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I I think that the point is that we're not claiming that we know everything Mm -hmm. and that we're not, we don't think that our reason is infallible or anything like that. Yeah. Be, we're just trying to go through some stuff and give how we think about it and just have an honest dialogue Yeah, and see what comes of it and what conclusions we come to. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like, spiritual discernment is, well, exactly what is its discernment? It's not the right answer, you know? It's something that's practiced. It's something that's learned. It's something that we just do to the best of our abilities. Mm-hmm. I think that's just important to remember, not just while we speak, but while, you know, you out there do your own readings or if you hear readings from other people to uh, understand that things kind of come um, to us through our own personal understandings. And while we try to refine those things and get better at them, 
it is only our own personal discernment and understanding. Mm -hmm. But I thought that'd be a great quote to kind of start this episode off. So with that being said, are you ready to dive into some Jordan Peterson? Let's do it. Um, All right. So we've been talking a lot about the different forms of myth, according to Jordan Peterson. So we've gone over the Enuma Elish. We've gone over the dragon of primordial chaos, the Ouroboros, and how it represents like everything before chaos was separate from order. Um, we talked about the Great Mother and how she can be a good and a bad thing when she represents mm-hmm. the unknown. Um, we had some disagreements with it. We had some issues, but that's what we talked about. And now we are going to go into his next section, the Divine Sun. Mm. Um, Is the sun as in like ball of fire or like sun as in like child sun? Oh, S-O-N. S-O-N, okay. Yeah. Um, so the, the full section title is divine sun images of the knower or the exploratory process. Mm, So this one's going to be focused on the, that person that goes into the unknown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We kind of, we touched on this a little bit at the end of the last episode. Mm -hmm. We just didn't go into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that tracks since it's what we're all the way in now. (laughs) So, um, before we get too much into the exploratory stuff, um, he does a little bit of summarizing about chaos okay. just to reframe it a little bit. Sure. So it's helpful for what we'll talk about. So we'll just kind of go through some of those quotes pretty fast so we can okay. be on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one, the great androgynous dragon of chaos is also the mythic figure who guides a great or who guards a great treasure hidden in the depths of a mountain or who conceals a virgin princess in his lair. So mm. he's pretty much saying that that, the dragon of chaos is hiding something that's beneficial. Right. And I mean, not like there's a whole lot to just kind of jump off of that, but Mm -hmm. there's, I mean, we discussed this last episode. There's always something beneficial to learn from chaos, but I wouldn't always say it's treasure Mm. so much as it's like, sometimes it's totally treasure, right? Sometimes it's like, the treasure all along was friendship. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was going somewhere different than that, but yeah, I, I was thinking that there's like the dangers. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's kind of my point is like, sometimes you uncover the chaos only to be like hurt, but that knowledge or the is, process of exploring is, yeah, was beneficial in itself. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the meaning behind this was friendship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I got you now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's the first one. Um, next, he's talking about the terrible, the terrible mother mm-hmm. from last episode. Um, she destroys those who approach her accidentally, incautiously, or with the inappropriate attitude, but showers upon those who love her and who act appropriately all good things. Hmm. So that's kind of a summarization of what we went over the last time. I feel like it's not, though like that's contrary to what we talked about it was supposed to be his intent at least interesting was that the the unknown if you're approaching it the wrong way Mm. it can be dangerous and destructive for you Mm -hmm. but if you approach it the right way Mm. then it's going to shower you with good things okay that's not what i got off of that when you first read it oh gotcha i was very like um okay yeah yeah no that makes sense all right we can talk about it if you want but i i just thought it was a good no, I, summary of yeah, I think that's about. a good kind of recap through quotes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to get through it. Okay. 
So, well, then next he goes into... He's getting into the exploratory process. Um, and he's talking about how... It's something he's talked about quite a bit, I guess, throughout the book. That you start at a level that's um, like a story... And then you can get to a higher level of abstraction about the lesson in the story. Yeah, That yeah. sort of thing. Um, so he says, It was Freud's genius, despite his manifold errors, to bring what Shakespeare portrayed dramatically up one level of extraction toward the philosophical or even the empirical. Oh, sorry. Freud moved information about behavior from the implicit narrative to the explicit theory, or at least to the more explicit theory. Hmm. So I just... I threw that in there so we could see kind of a concrete example of what he's talking about, um, where he take he took different ideas from Shakespeare mm-hmm. in the stories, and then he said like this represents Freud did. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that Freud's super complicated. He's got a lot going on. Really, I just didn't know that he took stories from Shakespeare. So to kind of water this down. Freud actually took the stories from Shakespeare and abstracted mm-hmm. what the essence of that story was. Yeah. And then what did he do with that? Or did he just do that? Um, sorry. Jordan Peterson specifically said that he moved the information about behavior from the narrative to explicit theory. So he's okay. taking how the people are acting in the story and saying, here's a theory about how people work. Gotcha. That's really interesting that he would do that with um, a work of fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense, right? But uh, at the same time, I feel like it doesn't track. Well, now, I haven't read many Shakespeare stories. I think I've read like one and a half, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. But to my understanding, like I get where he's getting at, like what is the essence of the character? But I feel like a lot of these characters are very far-fetched. So... Just so that people know, I knew, I learned every Shakespeare play when I was in high school, um, because I was on academic team and it was like a trivia thing. So I it, we just had to, <laughs> yeah we had sorry to I'm still of, sick so right, right well yeah so we had to learn a lot of stuff so I have some background in Shakespeare, um, obviously he was hugely popular and I think part of the reason for that was because he got at things that were relatable to people. Right. So, like, you can... A lot of people know Hamlet. Yeah. Hamlet's thing was his uncle killed his dad. I think that's the one I read, Hamlet. Yeah, and he's just trying to pretty much figure out what to do, and he goes about it in some weird ways, but, like, that's relatable to everybody. And even if they're so out there Mm -hmm. with what they're doing, I mean, it could even be an exaggerated version of what we might do Mm. in a lot of these stories, and I think that that just makes it relatable. Um so Freud could go about it and see, say like, obviously these things were hugely influential, pretty much like what he's doing with the mm-hmm. myth, Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. is these things were obviously super influential. I want to kind of figure out why, and maybe he thought that something had to do with the behavior of the characters. Gotcha. See, I feel like I'm having a hard time. I mean, like, I get it. I definitely get it. I just feel like it's very outlandish. Have you seen The Boys? No. You know nothing about it. Mm, superheroes. I was trying to relate it to a little bit more pop culture so like mm-hmm. normal people could understand. Yeah. Mr. Shakespeare. Well, I mean, that's the thing though. Like even if you dumb it down, mm-hmm. like I said, what it really is, is he's trying to deal with acting towards his uncle who just killed his dad and is marrying his mom to take over as king. 
Right. I just like, hmm. So would you say that like the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, for lack of a better word, like the overly dramatic mm-hmm. representation of what we as like just average people would do. Is that kind of what Shakespeare is doing? So Freud's able to abstract the like core essence of like what like a normal person would do. Like what's his like core intention? Probably. Because I'm getting caught up in like the whole and I don't remember it very well at all. It's been a well, while. I mean, you want to talk about overreaction. We can talk about Romeo and Juliet. Right. Like that's what I'm talking about is like the whole like, oh, I think my lover has maybe died. So I'm just gonna mine as well just too. like, yeah, off myself. Yeah. Like completely with like. I, but Hamlet kind of follows like similar obscurities right. like but, that. Well, and right, and then like if you break it down to what's really happening, mm-hmm. um, you can say like, yeah, these guys only knew each other for I think it was a couple days or something, sure, or a couple of weeks. It wasn't very long, right? And then they end up killing themselves. But you can also look at it as just like the two star-crossed lovers, right? But I mean, I feel like, and, I feel like when you water it down too much. Mm-hmm you're missing like the reality of what's literally happening. Like, don't get me wrong, like falling in love quick. Like, I think that's something like Christians can serve as we just kind of do. Mm -hmm. But so like, I feel like we can understand falling in love quick and like just knowing, Mm -hmm. but like they still like literally killed themselves, which I know is like the overdramatic aspect of it. But I I feel like, but I think it's overdramatic in a specific way uh where it's, I think it's supposed to be kind of relatable. And who knows? It's different times also. That's so true. So we don't want to fall into the same well, mistake as Peterson, but... And that's why I wanted to bring it back to, like, the boys. Because that's, like, right now. Right. Well, I mean, I think even with Romeo and Juliet, um, we can all relate to the feelings. Mm-hmm. And maybe they are exaggerated, mm-hmm. but you can relate to, like, the sorrow of what they go through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, King Lear is my favorite one. Mm. it's super cool i don't know that one at all it's there's this king um he has three daughters two of them it's been a while two of them pretty much suck up to him Mm -hmm. um and he ends up giving them like all the land and everything okay and those two betray him Mm. and the one that didn't suck up to him is the one that remains loyal to him Mm. and it's just like it's it's a really good story Hmm. it's interesting okay i don't know i i didn't have much of a taste for shakespeare it's tough to get past the archaic dude, language, dude. I didn't even. I didn't even have to read it. We yeah. had we had those because it was in junior year of English, right? So we had those like double books where it's like the translated and like American, yeah. <laughs> and like our English teacher was like, you know, guys, do your best to like you know read the read the original Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I won't understand the book if I read that. Yeah, no, I. I used to have memorized Hamlet's soliloquy about the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. I just remember weird things like what you egg. <laughs> yeah. There's some good stuff. That is a Shakespeare quote and it's a, uh, it's classic. It's actually my life motto. What yeah. you egg. I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah. I don't either. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Um, so yeah, I think that that's, I think we understand how it works then. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm definitely, yeah. I just, I got caught up on the, just the abstraction from like the overdramatic. Shakespeare, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So the step that happens before that is kind of what we'll be talking about, mm-hmm. which is going, he, he has a quote about it later, going from behavior into story. Mm, okay. Where you write a story based on the behaviors that you're observing. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Um, One second. While he's reading, my girlfriend explicitly told me not to share this because she said, and I quote, nobody will care, but I got a new computer chair. And not only that, I can't really show you, but there's, there's like a, there's a little leg thing. That's how I can make my leg float. I'm not magic. Actually, there's a little leg thing. I really like it, but now I'm not going to like wobble back and forth anymore. So if you thought that was entertaining, I'm sorry, but I'm not wobbling anymore. I did you find it? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs> um okay so now we're getting into like exploration okay um i i think the behavior or the behavior in a story quote must come up later i couldn't find it on the page that i was on so oh okay but here we go for some exploration mm. um exploration in a given situation can hardly be regarded as complete until the tendencies and theories that struggle for predominance in that situation have been organized to make internal conflict and emotional upheaval cease. So what he's saying is exploration is not complete until you know how to act in a given situation. Because when you go into something new, you're going to have all of these different competing ways that you can do something. He's mm. claiming that exploration isn't done until you know which one of those ways works. Mm, okay. That's kind of what I thought he was getting out of it. How do you feel about it? Um, I mean, I will definitely say... I feel like I got to move the mic just a little away from me because my voice is very boomy right now. Um, one, I agree with him for sure. But I think that might be an, an uncommon approach. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I totally agree. Like, I don't think you're done learning about the unknown until you figure out the best way to, like, handle the situation that was before because otherwise there's still some unknown there right exactly but i feel like a lot of people go into it and go like ouch that hurt or like oh that was uncomfortable and they and they leave and they're done and i think that's a mistake a lot of people end up making Mm -hmm. is when they do something that scares them or makes them uncomfortable they leave before they've finished the journey and i think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes you can make because mm-hmm. then you're just destined to do it again or fail until you do do it again. Right. And I think it's really interesting that he points out emotional upheaval. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I think he's saying that if you're doing something, even if you think you, you know what you're supposed to do, if you're anxious about it and you're stressed about it, then maybe the exploration is not complete. Yeah. Okay. My voice is just getting deeper. It's getting, yeah. I'm Drink sorry. Some water, bro. I, I don't know if that's going to help, but. So Water given, break. given that last one, yeah, part of like exploration, um, accommodation to new information is an integral part of the exploratory process. An anomaly has not been processed until the preexistent interpretive schemas extant prior to its emergence have been reconfigured to take its presence into account. So, Another part of the exploratory process isn't only knowing how to act successfully, um, 
but it's also accommodating your previous thoughts and the ways you thought the world was to the new thing that you've learned. Mm, okay. I think that one's really key because I think that's something that maybe people can struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, I know you and I have talked about it before, the idea that even if people are exposed to something new, um, they won't let it influence them at all. They won't take it in mm -hmm. as new information and maybe let it change the way that they think. Mm. Dude, we totally talked about this today. Mm -hmm. And specifically, we, like, we just talked about, I shared my thoughts about it with like church, mm -hmm. where like, we can say like, oh, well, you know, go check out church, just try it, et cetera, et cetera. Give God a chance, you know, but the, the core problem, you agreed with me, right? I want to make sure that you agreed yeah, yeah. with what I said. Um, the core problem is that you can't just give church a try because if you just fundamentally disagree with everything, you're going to go to a place that just tells you that you're wrong. So unless you're willing to allow that to change you, you're just going to walk out of there either saying, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't care. Or be like, oh, this isn't, this is dumb. Like they think I'm wrong. So that, that's like the hard thing about going to church. So I think if you are interested in going to church, go to church, knowing that it's going to oppose a lot of your views. Cause it opposed a lot of mine mm. for sure. It opposed a lot of my views for like, it's a dude. I like, I promise it took me like a month or two before I was like fully committed to like everything our pastors were saying hmm. it like, it took me a while. Like some of the stuff they'd say, I'd be like, um, I don't know because I had lived so long and not in opposition to God. I always kind of had that mm -hmm. indifference. Know, yeah. You know, the whole kind of like, well, God's real. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and then that, yeah. yeah. So it's like indifference is a good word. Um, but I mean, I don't think you shouldn't go to church if you've never been, or if you're even skeptical, I think you absolutely should. But I mean, know that when you go there, it's going to, it's going to challenge what you think. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be said for a lot of things like Jordan yeah. Peterson saying, when you go to experience something new, it's going to challenge what you think. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think, and that's not a bad thing. No, absolutely not. It's not a bad thing because that's. Well, that's what learning is. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole process of learning. We touch fire because our current understanding is either nothing or that might be soft because it kind of looks that way. You know what I like? Fire looks soft. Like, come on. It looks soft. So that's like point. you totally touch it because you're like, it's glowy. So it's pretty to the eyes and it looks soft. It looks like my teddy bear. So like, I'm going to touch it. And it mm. totally challenges what you think of it. And that's such a fundamental viewpoint, right? So now take that and apply that to anything else that challenges your view. Am I saying that everything that challenges your view is going to be correct? No, that's just not how it works. Especially when it comes from people. Because people, we all make mistakes. It's not that some people do intentionally mislead you and other people don't. Like some people are just, they're making a mistake. I mean, even Jordan Peterson and his youth made plenty of mistakes i mean he admits it right mm -hmm. so like and we know jordan peterson's brilliant so even brilliant men make mistakes when i'd say that's the only way he got to be brilliant exactly so i think knowing that things are going to challenge your point of view is one thing 
but being okay with your viewpoint being challenged is a different thing and mm. that is a challenge unto itself and that's also hugely important for having like dialogue oh yeah because we see all these videos of people like arguing on college campuses and stuff and one of the biggest mm. issues is that people aren't willing to have their ideas even challenged yeah no and i think there's a twofold issue with that the first one is that they're not willing to hear other ideas so they're going to get stuck in kind of a, a bubble of it's an echo chamber of their mm -hmm. same ideas yeah and two i'd say they're not even able to sharpen the skills of their own ideas yeah so i feel like even if you only want to be self-serving and you only want to strengthen your position in your mm -hmm. camp mm -hmm. you should listen to the other side so that you can see what they're saying so that you can refute that yeah and that'll make you stronger yeah well and i think that's like that's what you ultimately end up seeing is that um not to pick sides or anything but you usually in the videos we've seen the conservative is the one that is trying to find the common ground mm. and the liberal is the one that's just pulling out points yeah the problem with that is that if the liberal took a minute to try to find the common ground and agreements, they could find the disagreements and then they could have dialogue back and forth. And, I and think, I'm, I'm sure that goes both ways. Well, but, I, yeah, I was going to say, I think you that's kind of the stereotype with like rednecks yeah, and stuff in the South is that they just, you know, I have a gun and I'm right. And that's that. Oh, yeah, that's exactly. It's, it's like that. It's always sunny in Philadelphia thing that I was showing you when he was talking about evolution oh, yes. and stuff. He was like, I don't have to be right because I'm American or whatever. That was hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. But like, that's the point is, you know, if you're not willing to listen to other people. Yeah. Well, um, I, and I grew up kind of, I'm not from the South, but I definitely grew up in the whole like, well, I have a gun and I'm right because I'm American. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, like, I don't think you're wrong because like, that's the point of, being an american is the freedom the right to speech etc like that's that's why we have freedoms is because you're entitled to have those freedoms but that doesn't mean like you're logically right or mm -hmm. that your fundamental beliefs are correct right and i think it's a shame that more people aren't willing to be challenged or have their ideas challenged and dialogue about it again you're not always going to agree there's only things me and evan disagree on on some fundamental levels um, but it ultimately comes down to like kind of how we personally view things. And I think that kind of what, that's kind of what makes everyone's life's richer in a community is that we do have disagreements, but if we have disagreements about kind of our viewpoints and kind of personal opinions that are arguably, arguably irrelevant to the fundamentals, mm -hmm. I think it makes your life richer because I understand how you see things, which is contrary to how I see. And right. while I don't agree, it exists in my mind. I can consider mm -hmm. that in the future. Well, and then if nothing else, then at least you know what the other person mm -hmm. is thinking and you can know why they're, or yeah. why you disagree with them. Yeah, exactly. So, and I try to put myself, whenever I have dialogue with somebody who opposes me, usually like socially, politically, mm -hmm. um, I usually try to put myself in their shoes because like, I didn't have many friends growing up. Like I got bullied all the time. So like, I get it. I get feeling outcast. Mm -hmm. You know, I get feeling black sheep and wanting to kind of embrace the individuality. So like, I'm not opposed to like understanding that somebody is like hurt emotionally or like hurt because they don't feel understood. 
you know, etc. Like, I'm not opposed to understanding that at all. And I think it's like a totally valid place to stand. Mm-hmm. What becomes invalid is like when I get yelled at because I disagree in the long run. Whereas like fundamentally, I'm like, no, like you, you're hurt. Like that makes sense. I understand that. And I get that you want to fix this and you want to cope with it. Mm-hmm. But the way you're doing it isn't the healthiest way. Can we talk about that? No, you're wrong. And then it's over. And then the conversation's boom done over because I didn't validate the way they decided to cope. But there's unhealthy, unhealthy yeah. coping mechanisms. You know, that sounds like, I don't remember who came up with it. Um, a philosopher, I think that was talked about in Rise and Triumph. He, mm. Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Great book. He came up with the idea of emotivism. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. It's pretty much saying that people in today's world, <clears throat> they take their feelings to equal like a transcendental moral truth. So transcendental, like above um, the material world, I guess. Okay. Pretty much like it, like it's every, like it's the top level. It is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. And they're pretty much taking their feelings and bringing it to that level mm. because if, and I think you can see it, I think it has some face validity. Yeah. If you can, if someone thinks or feels a certain way, then that is the truth. And I mean, that's the idea of the whole, my truth yeah um kind of movement Mm -hmm. is that the way that they feel is the true thing for them right and honestly i i just kind of get sad because like i've been in there and like while i didn't take um the left-wing approach because i just i grew up rural so like guns and beer right you know what i mean but i was definitely like i like I said, I was bullied. I didn't have many friends at all, at least none good. So I felt very alone mm-hmm. and I was very sucked into my my emotions. And mm-hmm. I felt like my emotions were definitely king. Yeah. I was like, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does because how I feel about it is right. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for me to kind of reel myself down from that. Mm-hmm. But way 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 worth it like way way better of a viewpoint to be like nope my emotions aren't king as a matter of fact um in the bible um there's a verse and i'm not gonna quote it right so i'm gonna paraphrase it but it says above all else guard your heart mm-hmm. and it it's saying that you need to guard your heart because your heart's gonna mislead you you know if you see that pretty girl walking down the road or walking down the street rather, because who walks down a road? <laughs> you see the pretty girl on campus, and you're like, mm, I should ask her on a date. But you've heard, like probably isn't gonna be the the healthiest person to date because you've seen her like curse at students for no reason. She seems like a bit of a hothead. Mm-hmm. But like your heart's like, mm, I want relationship. You're you, that's why you need to guard your heart. You need to guard it from like what you kind of want, what you desire, what you feel mm-hmm. and think a little bit more logically. And in a Christian sense, we look to God for those kind of, yeah. we look to God for those answers and An- we kind of center ourselves. Another example that probably most, if not all college students can relate to is when the alarm goes off in the morning mm. and logically, you know, you should get up cause you need to get the class on time cause that's important. But man, you really don't feel like it that morning because you were up a bit late last night. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's that's guarding your heart. Um, I think it's 
funny. That reminds me of uh, Jordan Peterson talking about because um, he had a bunch of uh, protesters at his speeches and stuff, mm-hmm. right? They were like, oh, you're a Nazi and all these awful things, not knowing who he is at all. They just don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you want to know how I fixed it? And the interview was like, yeah. And he's like, I held all of my meetings at 8 a.m. And none of those people were willing to motivate themselves to get up to protest me anymore. Oh, I saw that. I think that's such a shame. I mean, like, I don't think you personally, why you do have a right to freedom and or freedom of speech specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't think going into a um, like a speaking of an event, you know, mm-hmm. a speak event or what am I looking for? What's the word? Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like when there's a public speaker, I don't think you should go in there guns a blazing cussing and screaming and yelling at them saying that they're horrible people and stuff because you know what you're doing you're just proving them right Mm. even even if they even if they oppose us even if somebody came in there and was like christians are the like the devil they are evil they are horrible monsters we need to eradicate christians yeah they have a freedom of speech to say that do i think we should go in there and start screaming at them no i think the best thing we can do is go in there if at all listen to what they're saying, understand what they're saying, and then try to have dialogue with the attendees and hopefully that individual Mm -hmm. to understand. And whether we fundamentally disagree or agree is, you know, that's up for the dialogue. Yeah. But my point is, is like, if you never even understand the opposing side, what are you fighting against? It's like the people that say like, oh, the the AR-14 has... A hundred round clip magazine that's semi fully automatic. Okay. I don't, I'm not going to listen because everything you said was wrong. You don't understand the point you're against. Well, I know. I think another good example would be Joe Biden calling or calling out MAGA Republicans Mm. because, I mean, is he talking about, he kind of tried to clarify it. um, And he pretty much said that the Republicans who aren't MAGA Republicans are the ones that agree with him on the Inflation Reduction Act, mm-hmm. which is, you know, our Republicans really not going to. Yeah. Um, but the point is, by calling out MAGA Republicans, he's pretty much labeling half the country. Yeah. Because half the country called or voted on Trump. Yeah. Well, in 2016, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, it. yeah, you're just calling out a whole half of your population mm-hmm. without understanding whether willfully or not you're not understanding yeah. you can't understand everyone's viewpoint if no you're doing that. there's there's no way that every single person that voted for trump has the same ideologies right because i know some people that voted for trump that are not christian mm-hmm. but are very conservative but we're christians and conservatives mm-hmm. and our like belief system and moral structures are very different right but we like we're both conservatives. Mm-hmm. So when you broad brush everybody as MAGA, you're, and then you let you, then you give that a negative connotation to the general public. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're slandering at that right. point. You're just slandering right. people. And that's and, not a real argument. Well, and the issue is people do it both ways. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just as harmful both ways. When everyone says like the crazy left or whatever it is, yeah. that's not helpful either because no. you're just broad brushing again. Yeah. And broad brushing doesn't, Broad brushing doesn't accomplish anything, nor does not understanding your opponent's point of view. Right. Neither one of those things are productive in the slightest. Yeah. 
And while I don't think everybody's ever going to agree, like I don't think we're all ever going to agree on something, I just don't think it's likely, I think more importantly, having more intelligent discussion with each other as humans is better than just blatantly disagreeing and blatantly broad brushing everyone. Like, I have plenty of friends that we disagree politically, but they're still very close friends because we actually are interested in the understandings that we have. Mm. It's It usually brings some pretty interesting dialogue. I do enjoy those conversations. Yeah. Um, I do as well. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. So... <laughs> we'll move on. I was gonna bring up a like kind of a blind assertion that he makes, mm-hmm. but we've spent quite a bit of time just on other stuff, which is fine. But for the sake of time, I probably won't bring that up um, or talk about it too much because we've done similar stuff before. Mm-hmm. Just a good specific example. Um, so now let's get into the hero. We've done background about chaos and about a little bit about the exploratory process. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna characterize that process with the sun and the hero. All right, let's go. So, the highest level abstractions therefore allow us to represent the most universally accept- applicable behavior pattern, that characterizing the hero who eternally turns the unknown into something secure and beneficial, who eternally reconstructs the secure and beneficial when it has degenerated into tyranny. So, I really did try to understand that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just just go the first part doesn't really matter just do it already Um, he is pretty much here saying that the hero does two things one it turns the unknown into something secure and beneficial Mm -hmm. and two once that good thing degenerates into tyranny he reconstructs it and so you can see this in the great mother and the great father okay the great mother is going into the unknown to get something beneficial right or turning it into something beneficial. Yeah. Is what the hero would do. The great father, as we talked about last... T- oh, no. Wait, we're talking about the... We haven't talked about the great father. I've only read about it. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Never mind. That's, spoilers. That's Yeah, it's a little bit you of spoilers. You didn't hear this bleep. No, it's fine. I don't care. The entire ceiling just creaked. Um, That was weird. Oh, it's because the heat's on. That's okay. It um, should be fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. The... Uh, the father is pretty much the tyranny that like a good order can degenerate into. Okay. Because it can, we'll talk about it more, but right. If it's supposed to be order, there can be too much order. Mm -hmm. So the hero is someone that turns chaos into productivity for simplicity's sake. Um, That's not a complete definition, but um, it can turn chaos into productivity and it can revitalize order and introduce some chaos, pretty much, so that the order can remain beneficial. Does that make sense? Kind of. Where are you caught up? Uh, I'm caught up on... Are we talking about the hero, or are we talking about the father? The hero. The hero. We that's are what the, the that's hero. what the hero does. The hero... To, like, the great father right. aspect. Okay. Is when it becomes tyranny. So the, so the quote is talking about how the hero interacts with these two yeah those are those are the two things that the hero does those are the most universally applicable behavioral patterns Mm. of the hero is someone that turns creates something out of chaos Mm -hmm. and something that like rejects tyranny gotcha basically interesting what do you think um 
I don't know if I have a whole lot to like add to it. That's fine. That's what I think it's just something to keep in mind for when we talk yeah, I, more about the hero. It's like another like point that he's making that is important to understand for like yet another point he later makes. Mm-hmm. Like as he does with everything. I'm going to cough again, by the way. Oh, boy. <coughs> how dare you? I know how dare I cough during our podcast. Let's see. So, we can talk about this. Okay. He's talking about improving human experience through, like, voluntary action. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the point of this, like, facing the unknown and stuff voluntarily to make right. things better. Um, so, he's talking about that, and he says... Interesting or admirable behaviors engender imitation and description. So he's saying that behaviors that are interesting or good um, mm-hmm. make people want to imitate them and also like describe them in stories. Yeah, that and makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense. To me, my concern is in the context of what he's saying, it almost sounds like a, like a sort of social evolution where... People are, well, it pretty, yeah, it sounds like social evolution and then it's inherently progressive where people are doing all these different things. And then those things that end up being interesting and admirable are the ones that are followed and described in story. Okay. Um, I think that mischaracterizes this a bit mm-hmm. because people have a sinful nature inherently and they'll be inclined towards that sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it fully tracks. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I can, I can try to reframe it. No, like I <clears throat> I think I get what you're getting at. I think my point is that I know it says engenders mm-hmm. um, imitation and description, and I think that it can do that for the people that are willing to pay attention to those admirable behaviors and try them out. Um, but, I mean, here's something that's interesting is that saying interesting or admirable, um, he doesn't define his terms about what admirable is. So where's he getting that idea from? How is he defining admirable? We've talked about it before, how like you can't have things like good defined without something like God, because otherwise it's all just subjective. Right. Admirable, I think, is similar. Mm. Where you can say it's admirable, but okay, who's to say it's admirable? Right. You could say it's because it does more good for sure. other people, but then, okay, what's good for more people? Right. And plus, if it's all just evolution, mm-hmm. then why wouldn't you just be inclined to do the thing that's most beneficial for yourself mm. to survive? Because mm-hmm. if it's, um, what is it, fight makes right, might makes right. Might makes right? Yeah. I don't think I've heard that. If you're like the strongest, then you're right. Mm, yeah. I mean, you're not, but like, I, I get with the quote. <laughs> yeah. Well, and for like survival of the fittest, that is kind of how it goes. Oh, absolutely. Well, and for, I'm sure for many years, it was correct. I mean, think about all the kings mm-hmm. that I actually have to be right. They were the king. Right. Well, and, and then the that's army. even like, even if the king is good, who's to say that the, that the people are using them as a symbol of goodness? Who's to say that they don't anyways despise the king because mm-hmm. he's still in control of them? Right. I don't know if I have a whole lot to add to that. You really... It's fine. <laughs> I was... I I, uh, I thought quite a bit about this stuff. Um, 
And he, I just don't like some of the stuff where he talks about it being progressive because I, I don't think he proves that it is. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about how some of this stuff changed over time. You can see like, well, no, because we looked it up and even the Marduk and the Egyptian stories were pretty much the same time. Yeah. Um, so like saying that one added something from the other is more of an assumption. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not actually, but what he includes in the book would imply that it is an assumption. I'll yeah. say that. Well, I feel like a lot of the things that are happening, you can argue are assumptions, like incorrect mm -hmm. assumptions, um, like the conclusions he comes to about the Bible verses. I mean, that's why we opened with the Bible verse that we did was because there wasn't a spiritual discernment. Yeah. Would you like some stuff about how it's not Christian? What do you mean? Well, because I, I have a couple stuff, a couple things highlighted about that. How there's some not very Christian quotes. Oh. But I know we've gone over that quite a bit, so I don't want to. No, I I kind of, I like it every once in a while. Okay. It's well, good. Sure. It's good stuff because then I can just okay. kind of like bask in Jordan Peterson just gone off for. Yeah. Well, and like. Unexplained moral reasons. He's not wrong if you look at some of the other stories, but it's not correct in Christianity. It's mm. that same issue. Yeah. yeah. So he says. In his more mature form, the hero, who is formerly the son of the heavenly mother, can be portrayed as lover of the great mother, the mother whose body he enters into in creative sexual union to die and reincarnate or to fertilize and impregnate. I don't like that. Yeah. So he's, for, I mean, you get it, right? I don't know if that one's too bad. He's just saying that the what was once the son of the mother becomes the lover of the mother and then recreates or uh, reproduces with the mother. So like what was once the explorer of chaos becomes the lover of chaos. I think he's talking about how it creates something out of that chaos. Okay. Interesting. But he's using like the sexual union thing. Yeah. He gets all weird about it. Yeah. I don't get all the connections to that stuff. I don't, I don't either. And like, maybe it's like a psychologist thing. I mean, he read Freud. I know he's not. Right. And like, that's my thing is like, cause Freudian ideologies are very sexual by yeah. nature. So and I don't, I don't remember how influenced he is by Freud. I know he likes Jung a lot more. I don't think he was not. Well, he was definitely influenced by Freudian ideologies. I mean, I don't quoted think, him earlier. Right. But I don't think he was. Or he talked about him earlier. I don't think, I think he was actively aware of him not being his biggest fan, but I think he acknowledged the ideologies as being some sort of sound reasoning mm -hmm. to an extent. But like, yeah, that's just weird mm -hmm. stuff. So let's uh, juxtapose that. Okay, go ahead. With some stuff that relates to Christianity. Mm. Is this like actual christianity or is this interpreted christianity well i'll let you I'll, I'll, let's see what you think how about that um 20 says it's interpreted the hero is always a light bringer and emissary of the light no 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 why not is the hero not just us it's the well he's talking about the motif of the hero the metaphor that the hero 
of the hero that represents this exploratory process. I feel like I don't understand his point. Um, if it, that's the case. It's just talking about that the hero brings light to darkness pretty much. And I think that the way that you can connect it to, I mean, I'm sure you understand the Christian connection yeah, of light. I mean, dude. Right. But it's like our mission statement at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when it comes to exploratory, if you're characterizing the great mother, the terrible mother specifically as darkness, in that mm-hmm. chaos okay right yeah then it would make sense that the hero is the light bringer okay because you're exposing what's in that darkness sure so the hero is and you can think about this in motifs of heroes like luke skywalker yeah um, people like that you can we can think about if we would consider them to be emissaries of light if they're bringing light with them sure i mean i guess i like feel like there's two ways to kind of look at it mm-hmm I would say is on one hand, the abstraction of what a hero is. I can't disagree as like an ambassador of light, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, I kind of look at it as the Christian center perspective. Whereas we can't be ambassadors of the light, but we can only bring things to the light. I think that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. is that's the thing that we try to emulate. Um, like when, when we're looking okay. at these motifs like of the hero and the exploratory process, that's what we should try to do. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Okay, I remember when I said no, all like deep and funny into the mic. Yeah. Yes. And I'll just edit that in. I'll just edit that over the first no. Just skip that whole section. Just cut it out. Just cut where you said no. Yeah. And just throw it in where you said yes and skip right all here. between. Yeah, no, 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 no. We'll just we'll just cut. So wait, I'll do it. Yes. Glad we agreed. Yeah, and we totally agreed and we had really amazing dialogue. Um sorry, like camera just, you know cut out. It, the lens and it like would <laughs> Yep. Glad I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I knew if I laughed I was going to end up coughing. Good job. But I I was like it's worth the risk. You know. So here's where he understands a little bit of the Christian story. He gets part of it right. Um but it, it I amazing. I took note. I said I think it makes sense or it can make sense, but it's absolutely not the full picture. Of our understanding. Ooh, okay. So he said, um, the context doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But this is why Christ, the defining hero of the Western ethical tradition, is able to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, when he's talking about this exploratory process. Um, mm. Oh, maybe context absolutely matters to this quote. I feel like it does. I take it back. It does matter. <laughs> Context from the book or from the Bible? That's my fun way of saying Bible, by oh, the way. So he's saying, oh, that's interesting. So he actually is incorrect. Say um, it with me, guys. Bible. Bible. Thank you. 
he says, um, respect for the process of exploration always remains superordinate, so more important, to all other considerations, including that of the maintenance of stable belief. And that I would agree with. That that on its own I agree with. Wait, is explain that, it. Um, respecting the process of exploration mm-hmm. should be more important than everything else, including the maintenance of your own personal beliefs. Absolutely. Facts, okay. That's facts. That's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's what we talked... That's exactly what we talked about earlier. It's okay. Like knowing you're going to be challenged and being okay with that. So knowing that, he says, this is why Christ, the defining hero of Western ethical tradition, is able to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he's using that quote to say um, that Jesus as the Christian representation of the hero is a demonstration of the fact that the exploratory process should be above all other things. And that's why Jesus is the way is because he represents that exploratory process. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I just, I don't agree anymore. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm a little conflicted mm-hmm. because and nothing, nothing's the reason I'm conflicted is because I feel like I ought to disagree, but nothing comes to mind as a reason to disagree. And I think maybe that's what I meant with my note is that it can make sense, but it's absolutely not the full picture as Christians. Like there's way more to like what Jesus is saying there than just this representation of like exploration. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's where my thing. Well, yeah. Well, that's where my thing was. Okay. Like, I think it can make sense, but it's definitely not the point so of that. So let me hit. Let me hit you up with like the. Oh, this makes sense in my head, and then you can explain the like big picture. Okay. Because while this is like actually in my head, so the way I see it is like it makes sense because exploring your faith and building a relationship that is to yet be known with God and Jesus mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit is very important. That mm-hmm. exploration of your faith and relationship and knowing the mm-hmm. word and Bible and Christianity, mm-hmm. that is above all else. Absolutely. The exploration of him is above all else. Yes. And you're reading it different than Peterson. Oh no. But it's it's a pretty <laughs> it's a minute detail. <coughs> but it's an important one where okay. where you're talking about exploring that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the exploratory process in general. As above God? As above all other like considerations. Including God and religion. Well, if you don't believe in God, then that would be assumed. Yeah, but what if you do? Then I, I don't think, man, I don't know. Maybe he's not talking to those people. Or maybe he's just saying that's what Jesus represents. But, that you should but I mean, he would be included if it's that exploratory oh, process in general. The camera totally just died. It's not allowed to do that. It doesn't have a battery. I know. Hang on. I don't even feel bad anymore. I did my best. I don't know. That's weird. Oh, it's turning back on. I reconnect to the computer. And we're back. I have my stupid leg thing down. Hang on. (laughs) 
I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm not even gonna edit that out. I usually do, but I don't even feel bad. I've done the best I can to keep this camera alive. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. Did it overheat? Maybe. If you would like to fund Brought to Light and get us some better equipment, such as a camera that doesn't die, go ahead and email me. Um, at brought2light.creations at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and I will accept all forms of payment, including Bitcoin, especially including Bitcoin. And um, But not the FTX one. I don't remember what it was called. Any Bitcoin of value will I accept. <laughs> Anything of value will I accept. And with that money, we will buy the Canon R5C, which is a camera I've had my eyes on for a little while. But I digress. Canon, hit us up if you're interested. We are um, also looking for sponsors. Yeah. Canon. All right. We got maybe. One, maybe two quotes left. No, we're still stuck on this one quote. What? We are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I feel like I don't... I feel like I'm not getting it. No, Or I at think... least I feel like we haven't finished the dialogue. Okay, well, I think that you made a good connection to how we can understand it as Christians. Yeah. I don't think he's seeing it that way. Well, then he's wrong. I'd say that's fair to say. Since he is talking about the Bible, I think we can say that he is wrong. Yes. I'd, I'd be like... Maybe more hard pressed with some of the mythology stuff to say if he's wrong. Sure, sure, sure. Because like, you know, I'm not a Greek mythology expert or anything like that. Like I know some stuff about it, but Christianity, I think it's we can more safely say that he's wrong about that. And again, I don't think it's a bad interpretation. I just don't think that it captures the full picture of can, the point of Jesus at all. Or go ahead. And, what's the full picture of this situation? Well, I think it's more like what you said and, and that Jesus oh. is the only way to be saved. Um, mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about in that quote specifically. Right. So seeing Jesus as the, um, as like this defining hero that represents the exploratory process. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. but I think it's the same issue I've had with going through some of his other stuff. And I think it's something that can be rough as Christians going through some of Jordan Peterson's things mm -hmm. is he can do stuff like this. And if you're not the most knowledgeable or the most strong Christian, or you just really find his stuff um, convincing and you don't have enough background in your Christian faith to mm -hmm. understand where he's getting off track here. Um, it can really just distill God down to this kind of like interesting biological or really process. It can, it can bring God down to just like being a process mm -hmm. instead of like the greatest being. I feel like it's different when you like, like in person encounter like a miracle, mm -hmm. like yourself. Mm hmm. Because like that, I that's to abbreviate my story. I like knew of God. I experienced a miracle and basically saved my life from myself. So from that point on, I knew God had to be real. Mm -hmm. The end. And from there, I had friends like you and Emma and and mm -hmm. some other people that were like come to church. And and even then, I was like. Mm. 
I don't know. And then I did and and I kind of, you know, developed that. But for me, God was real true. Mm-hmm. That was the reality. Yeah. But the whole church thing was still kind of like wishy-washy. Right. Well, and I mean, my the issues I've had before reading, I think, I don't remember the chapter in 12 Rules for Life anymore. But in one of them, he is talking about God and stuff. And like, if you sit down in your room and you're trying to figure out what you can do better, if you really sit and think about it, mm-hmm. something will come to you. Oh yeah. Um, But you like really have to want to know the thing, yeah. like that you well, want to do something better. And... Because you have to acknowledge that the reality of being better means it disagrees with your current beliefs. Well, and I think he said something. I hope I didn't get the example wrong, but. I don't think it'll matter for the point of this because it does happen in the book um, that he pretty much equates the process of something like that mm-hmm. to God where he says like, and he, he does it kind of in a debate with Sam Harris when he's in Vancouver um, that gets pretty heated. And I'm talking about the is problem. Um, he pretty much distills God down to this, like God is the, thing that reveals to you when you're doing something wrong mm. and he kind of says like that's the essence of god mm-hmm. and then as a christian especially when you're not as well versed in your faith that can make you be like oh what is god then like am i just putting too much like is that all god is this like supposedly no. all-powerful being yeah you know what i mean but so yeah, i think no, i think I that's just saying. i think that's a danger that you can have listening to it. I gotcha. Um, wow, my voice dropped like 11 octaves. I did. So we'll try and get through this. There's only one or two more quotes. I'll see if I like the last quote enough to use it. <laughs> um, okay. The hero is narrative representation of the individual eternally willing to take creative action, endlessly capable of originating new behavioral patterns, Eternally specialized to render harmless or positively beneficial something previously threatening or unknown. So he's just saying that, um, he's saying that in essence, in a narrative, the hero, uh, takes creative action. It makes new behavioral patterns. It, um, and then it makes the unknown or threatening things harmless or beneficial. So like when we were talking about in earlier chapters about the exploratory process Mm -hmm. and how you're like the goal is to make the unknown beneficial for yourself. He's saying that's what the hero does. That's what the hero is supposed to represent. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So my note on that one was that that is not the point of Jesus. Um, he is attempting to interpret what Jesus represents instead of what he actually means to Christians. So it's logical from a non-Christian perspective at the very least, even if it is a correct interpretation, it does not give the full picture once again. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, Jesus is more than just the, the hero, Like he's more than just the knower. Mm Mm-hmm. he's more than just the son jesus is the savior jesus jesus is the man from god who is also god right who came down to sacrifice his life for our lives 
for the sake of doing that. I think Jordan Peterson's doing the thing that I do when we're watching a show together. Oh, no. Is he's looking at just what it represents mm-hmm. and not really considering like what it is. What it is. Does that, that yeah. seems like it because like. No, I think you're right. Well, because how else do you look at it without spiritual discernment? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how else could you, how else could you look at Jesus if you didn't look at it from the point of savior, which is you look at Jesus as savior if you're Christian and you accept him. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you don't see him as savior. So and you look then, at what right. he represents mm-hmm. because other than that, he is the son of God and man and he is our savior, which is what he literally is. That's he a, only represents something. And I think that's especially true when you are convinced like Jordan Peterson is, I'm not saying he's wrong either, but when you're <clears throat> coming about this from the perspective that what someone like Freud can do is take a Shakespeare play, figure out the behavioral pattern in an abstract form, and then apply it to real life in a beneficial way. Mm-hmm. If you think that that's what can happen, and that's what like your propensity is, mm-hmm. then when you're going to all these religions, that's how you're going to treat them. As a right. story where you can get a metaphorical or more abstract behavioral pattern from so that we can apply it in a useful way to now. Yeah. No, and like that just doesn't apply to Jesus because he's not subject to vice as we are. Well, I think even it even can apply to Jesus, but the well, problem sure. is that it's missing what Jesus actually is. Right, and I I guess that's what I'm saying is like yeah, I mean you can apply that th- you can apply any theory to any idea like idea that you want mm-hmm. like you can do whatever you want like I mean I can sit here and say oh Evan you picked that red computer chair because red represents like power and authority. I'm sure you didn't pick it for those reasons. You picked it because you liked it. The mm-hmm. end. So you can apply any ideology to anything you want. You know? Mm-hmm. it. So, so, like, it's not that you can't apply it to Jesus. It's that you missed the point. Mm-hmm. So, but, again, I think there's two ways you're going to look at Jesus. You're going to look at him as the Savior and as somebody of the faith. Or you're going to look at what he represents. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't an in-between to look at him. And I know pastor said that Jesus doesn't give you the choice to think he's just some kind of crazy guy, but with, or pastor doesn't give you the choice of like looking at him as like, he was just a good philosopher. Either he was totally crazy out of his mind or he's the son of God. But I feel like when you're coming at it from Jordan Peterson's point of view, when all of it, all it is, is a narrative to you, Mm -hmm. you certainly can read that. Yeah. And it might be like confusing. Like yeah. why, how you interpret it, yep. but you absolutely can still think that he's not crazy and that the lessons I think are getting through. I mean, because you're not taking it for what it is. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's the one thing that kind of confuses me about what pastor said is, um, I don't think that he's either crazy or the son of God. I think there's definitely in between because plenty of people look at Jesus as like the cool hippie guy. I love everyone, <laughs> you know, but I think the point is. If you listen to what he says, then either you only believe some of his claims in which you're not doing the thing he tells you to do, or well, you I, believe all of his claims. Well, and I think the issue is that <clears throat> how can you trust someone that is crazy enough to say that they're the son of God mm. to give you sound moral lessons? Yeah. Like the other you can't thing. do both of those at the same time. You can't say, well, he you said he can. was son of God, <laughs> which doesn't, well, I know, but it's not logically coherent. To right. Do it. Exactly. 
So. Which I think is kind of funny because, like, that's what Peterson's doing now. Like, there's and he's I'm, extrapolating and good I'm morals. Just, well, one, he might not even be aware of that mm. quote or that verse. Okay. Um, but also, I'm just wondering if there there might be some room in the way that he's looking at it to mm-hmm. excuse that. Because he's not even looking at the lessons that Jesus says. No. And the one lesson, the I am the way thing he does pull, he's saying, oh, that means like that's evidence of the exploratory process. Right. He's from, he's coming from a very limited or a very like precision focused yeah. perspective that kind of, I think, puts on the shutters to the other stuff. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I agree. So I think that's, uh, it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. that he has such I think he has such a unique viewpoint of it but I think it's unfortunate because I think I would have liked to see him dive into Jesus mm-hmm. a little bit more and he might I don't know what's coming in the following chapters but by the way for people listening episode 11 the next one's going to be the last one in chapter 2 whoa how many chapters are there um there are five. Oh. Six? Six. But like they vary in length. So chapter three mm-hmm. is from two sixteen to two thirty-three. Oh. Chapter, so that's gonna be like maybe an episode. Yeah. Chapter four is two thirty-three to two eighty-three. So that's fifty pages. Okay. Chapter five is from three oh seven. Oh, there's like a weird sub chapter thing. Um, Chapter five is from 307 to like 445. Holy smokes. Yeah. So they vary a lot. So chapters basically mean nothing. Yeah. So that, I mean, all that to say is that we're going to be in this book for a while longer. A while longer. I'm excited. We have a, we have the next book picked out, right? I think so. We haven't announced it yet, right? No. Okay. We have a lot of books, though, that we can still choose from. We do have a lot of books to choose from. But there is one that I think is really interesting. Um, I mean, But I don't want to announce it yet. Yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. Did you have any more quotes or... Nope. I felt like that was a good place to end it, too. Yeah. Um, Do we want to do any promotional that's your call that's my call all i do is read the books all he does is read the books ladies and gentlemen you heard it here so all this fantastic editing and and all the in-between things you see is brought to you by me and i'm sponsored by myself and i um they're a fantastic company myself and i is (laughs) um you just have to get them I won't say a whole lot in the way of promotional things, but I will say that brought to light has always intended on doing more than just lessons learned. I know so far that's the only thing we've done, but we do intend on doing more things. And um, they're very not similar (laughs) to lessons learned. This is not the only thing we will do. And I don't want to say too much, actually. I think I'll leave it there. But keep your eyes out for new stuff, not book club stuff. Yeah, different stuff. Not not book club where only one person reads the book. <laughs> what an interesting book. Can you imagine the whole book club where one dude reads the book and everybody else just kind of like, I, re- I read the book. 
Oh, what'd you think about this quote? That's well, just cool. well, explain it. <laughs> That's just class. That is just no. I mean, in my I, classes, now, I just got duped. In my classes, there's people that don't read it, but they admit it. Like, not gonna lie, professor, I just didn't read the book. No, see, the, no, that's not where my mind went. You said this is class. That is what happened. You're the class. professor. You you learned the mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. and you're teaching the thing to me. Yeah. I don't even like school, and yet he's duped me here to have a private one-on-one lesson here. Yes. You got duped, dude. I see who's smarter here. I mean, we always knew who was smarter here, but... <clears throat> well, else? no. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry about the camera. I'm seriously not going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, you know that. <laughs> yeah, at this point, you you know that. Yeah. Um. Thanks for uh, checking out episode ten. Thanks for being patient with us last week. Um, I did end up actually getting pretty sick. I lost Ooh. my voice for two days. Completely. Yeah. Like I like could not talk. So it was actually probably a good thing we didn't record because I think I would have like died. Yeah. Not literally, but right. Maybe literally. I mean, you know, I could have like coughed and my lung could have just like expelled on, yeah. out of my throat. Um. Yeah, thanks for listening to episode 10. Thanks for being patient with us. And um, yeah, we hope to see you next time, next week, which is not Christmas. We're going to be ready for Christmas this time, and we're going to make, we're going to do something for Christmas. We're not going to miss another holiday because I feel like we keep doing that. We're going to do something. Yeah. All right. We'll come out the day after Christmas, so. We will. It'll be on Monday. Because Christmas is on a Sunday. Oh, no way. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That's sick. Okay. Keep your eye out for new and upcoming things on Brought to Light. Thanks for listening to episode 10 of Lessons Learned. And we'll catch you on the flippity flop. See ya. Bye.